Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. We hope that you, you feel safe and you feel welcome to experience something of God and His presence with us. So we're uh, talking about vineyard distinctives, and this morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And uh, take a look at this video here. Amen. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning and what it means when we say, come Holy Spirit. And we're also going to talk about how we say, come Holy Spirit. How, how do we say, come Holy Spirit in our everyday lives? And we're also going to chat about... Um, the, like, what difference does it make that we say, come Holy Spirit? And I feel like it's a pretty kind of broad topic. You know, we could talk about Holy Spirit for like years and years and years. It would be wonderful. So what we're going to do, though, is we're going to talk about him uh, for these next two weeks. So today and then next Sunday, we'll be discussing Come Holy Spirit. And then, of course, Adam, our friend Adam Russell from Campbellsville, will come on the 22nd. You're not going to want to miss that. He's going to just release something really sweet among us, and he'll be here on the 22nd. So what do we mean when we say, Come Holy Spirit? Um, as Phil was sharing, it's not so much of a... Uh, theological kind of like thing. You're not going to turn through the pages of Scripture and see explicitly in Scripture the phrase, come Holy Spirit. It's like this slogan, you know, that the vineyards come to use. It's like this prayer that was introduced in 
the Catholic Church in the mid-16th century. You're not going to find it here explicitly in the pages of Scripture, but you're going to uh, find it written in the fabric of Scripture. Come Holy Spirit. Theologically, we're not going to spend too much time here, but the founder of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, was very much influenced by a guy named George Eldon Ladd. And George Eldon Ladd wrote this book called The Presence of the Future. And The Presence of the Future talked about this thing called an enacted, engaged eschatology. And we could spend years in classrooms digging. A, doesn't that just sound awful? <laughs> But basically what we mean when we say, come Holy Spirit, is we're inviting. We're inviting the the future reality of the kingdom of God into our present experience. We're saying that all of the things that Jesus carried in who he is and who he was, all of the, the freedom that we see in the person of Jesus, all of the hope that he carries, all of the joy that he carries, all of the healing that he carries, we're saying, come, come be a part of our present reality. The things of the future, the things that we see in heaven's culture, come invade earth, come let your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, so on the face of the earth, God, let freedom and healing and joy and all of the good stuff come and invade our present reality. That's what we mean when we say, come Holy Spirit. In vineyard terms, that's what we're saying. And yet, we hold these things in tension because we... We have fullness of the Holy, access to fullness of the Holy Spirit. But we look around and we see that things aren't right. We look around and we see violence. We look around and we see extreme poverty like where Tom and I were in Tanzania this past week and where people are living on less than a dollar a day. And we say, that ain't right. That's not the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We see people living on the streets of downtown Cleveland day in and day out. We say, that ain't right. The kingdom of God, where is the kingdom of God in that? And what a perfect place to say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, work in in our hearts and through our hands to bring the things of the future kingdom of God into the present reality of greater Cleveland. So this informs everything that we see in the vineyard, you know, through the lens of the kingdom of God in our prayer, come Holy Spirit. And we've been saying that, like, the past couple of weeks, as we say, come Holy Spirit, what we're not doing is this. We're not commanding the force from Star Wars. You know, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not some force that you can command around or that commands even your life. You you have a choice to say come or not come, Holy Spirit. He has a person with with thoughts and, and dreams and vision that he wants to share with you. Brilliant thoughts that he thinks and he wants to enact through your hands and your heart. He's not just something taking up space in your life to be, you know, you know, thought about if you've got a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. He 
He, in fact, when, when you breathe, he breathes inside of you. And when you bring, bring dinner to a, a loved one who's just gotten out of surgery or something, you're, you're being the Holy Spirit, you know, to that person. He's got thoughts he wants to share with you. He's got things that only you can usher in to the people around you. He's a person. He's not an it. And this is awkward to have another person living inside of you. In fact, some people may even call it schizophrenic. You're hearing voices. Oh, you're really normal that you hear the voice of God in your life. Okay, it's good on you. Don't talk to me anymore. (laughs) You know, like it's awkward because the Holy Spirit has his own thoughts that he'd like to share with you to interrupt your brilliant thoughts. <laughs> he wants to interrupt you with more brilliant thoughts. And he, he's got things that he wants to share. That's awkward. The kingdom of God always advances through two left feet. It's awkward. It's going to take intentional. The Holy Spirit's going to call you. Uh, it's awkward because the Holy Spirit's going to call you to, to go to awkward places. The Holy Spirit's going to call you to interact with awkward people. He's going to call you to interact in in awkward ways. He's going to call you to speak things that haven't happened yet over people you don't know. How awkward is that? The kingdom of God advances always through two left feet. But while at the same time it's awkward for you to think about these things, the kingdom of God is the most natural thing. It's the way that it's supposed to be. So when you speak something that's so awkward... You know, speaking the future before it happens and giving someone a word of knowledge or something like that, it'll feel like home to the people who are receiving it. Isn't that a paradox? That the most awkward thing that you could speak over someone, like future blessing or something, feels like just like home to the, to the hearer of that word. In fact, like the Psalms say, like golden apples and settings of silver. Okay. So we're going to be in Acts 2. Excuse me. We're going to be in Acts 2. If you have your Bibles or you have your phone and you wanted to follow along with me, I'm going to ask your grace ahead of time because there's a whole bunch of places that have weird names that I'm going to struggle through in this passage. But we're we're going to park here for today and next Sunday, and the context is that Jesus has just risen from the grave, and he's been taken up to the Father and seated at the right hand of God. And then, in a twist of events, he's got this grand message of the gospel of the kingdom of God being enacted throughout all the corners of the earth, and so it's like mission time, right? They're like ready to go and change the world. And Jesus says, wait. (laughs) Don't go wait. Wait in Jerusalem. And he's telling them to wait together. And be together and wait. And so that's where we pick up the story. And Luke writes in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be the, the tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Here it comes. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, uh, Cyrene, visitors of Rome, (laughs) both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Stop there. And I don't know how much we're going to get through. We'll just kind of see, just kind of see what happens. Um, okay, so how, how do we say, come Holy Spirit, in our lives? What are some of the ways that this looks like in our lives? And as I was preparing this week, I, I felt like um, the Lord drawing me to a few different ways of how we can say, come Holy Spirit. And the first way that I felt like we should take a look at is in the way we say yes to Jesus. To the degree that we say yes to Jesus, we welcome the Holy Spirit. So as we say yes, Lord, to putting Jesus first in our homes, in the way that we parent our kids, as we say To the degree that we say, yes, Lord, to the way that we treat our spouses, to the way that we say, yes, Lord, in bringing bringing a loved one a meal after a surgery, to the way that we say, yes, Lord, to uh, um, heeding his voice and praying for a stranger or praying for a loved one, we say, come Holy Spirit. We say, come Holy Spirit by being obedient to Jesus Christ with as much grace as we're afforded. And Jesus is so gracious that he'll take a half-hearted yes. He'll he'll be like, oh, you want to give me a little bit? That's great. I can use that. I'll take it. I can work with that. Some of you might be saying, that's difficult. It's difficult for me to say yes to Jesus. And I'd say, welcome to the club. We're We're all learning and growing in what it means to say yes to Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. So we can say, come Holy Spirit, by saying yes to Jesus. We also can say, come Holy Spirit, in being together. This is huge. This is really huge. When we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we read, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. We were all together in one place. All together in one place. Now, the counterfeit of being all together in one place 
as I understand it, is like the world's view of tolerance. It's like a counterfeit of what the Holy Spirit wants to offer us. When we say, come Holy Spirit, we're saying, come Holy Spirit. We are saying, come Holy Spirit. Come invade our hearts. Come invade our community. Come enact through our hearts and our hands when we're together. Luke is not just talking about being together in one place geographically. Luke is talking about being together in one heart, in one mind, that the things of God cannot be accomplished through one person or one man or woman of God. It takes a village. It takes a community, a a family to enact the things of the kingdom of God. When we say, come Holy Spirit, we're saying, come Holy Spirit, together. Together. We're together in one place and in one heart and in one mind. This past week, Tom and I were in Tanzania in the city of Mwanza mainly, but we also traveled through Dar es Salaam. I feel like we were on more planes than we, are, we were on ground. It was crazy. I felt like I was on the Amazing Race or something. Is like Megabus to Chicago, and then Chicago to Amsterdam, and Amsterdam to Dara, Dara to Mwanza. So Tanzania is in the southeast of Africa. It's, um, Dar es Salaam is like one of the major African cities. It's like if stuff happens in Africa, it starts in Dar. It's like a city, it's like nine million people live in Dar. It's like if anything's happening culturally, it starts in Dar. And then Mwanza is, is no joke either. There's like four or five million people who live in Mwanza. Dar is in the corner of Tanzania on the coast. And Mwanza is just south of Lake Victoria on the border there. And it's very, it's funny. It's like this paradox of like urban culture, you know, like everybody's got cell phones and it's busy, 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 a place of business. But at the same time, it's extreme poverty and it's like pre-industrial revolution. So there's like, you know, instead of scaffolding, it's like sticks that are holding up hotel buildings that are being built. It's like this weird paradox of like, um, you know, the third world and like urban world. It's a very, it's a head trip. And the people there are so warm and friendly. It's very welcoming uh, political climate, and there's a lot happening there right now, and just a lot of unity, a lot of good stuff. And Tom and I were charged with uh, supporting a, a metal, medical clinic being set up in Mwanza, and also simultaneously setting up a school and empowering teachers and paramedics, and then also training church planners. So that's a lot to do in 72 hours. As you can imagine, we didn't eat very much. We were just on the go like the whole time. It was a lot. I got to know Tom pretty well. And he got to know me very well. I feel like maybe I was like snoring every night or something. And he's like, oh, enough with the snoring. (laughs) I don't snore, do I? Okay. (laughs) He's being kind. You don't snore either. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to invite Tom up and we're going to share some stories just from Africa about our, our time together there. Um, it was just really impactful. It was really encouraging for both of us uh, to be together over there. Um, it was really encouraging to see like what God is birthing in the vineyard 
movement in Tanzania. There are brothers and sisters this morning gathered in Tanzania at vineyard churches in Ukanga and Dar es Salaam and in Iringa and in Arusha and different uh, vineyard pastors that are just bringing life to their communities. And it was cool to see what God is doing with the vineyard movement. It felt like fresh and new. There's like a lot of momentum in church planning. I mean, they're hoping to, there's this big gathering in Mwanza where we were in March of 2017 coming up that they're expecting like over, you know, 150 people to show up to plant vineyard churches in the country of Tanzania. It's amazing. God's like doing a new thing there. It's really, really sweet. So I wanted Tom to come up and we were going to just, just to, just to share some stories with y'all of what. Uh, happened over there. So, thank you. Thanks, man. It, one of the things that I just wanted to start out with, and just to encourage you guys, is that Evan and I, when we were when we were flying back from you know from Africa, we were just talking. We, you know, you may wonder, you may think, gosh, if I if I like go here and this big thing's forgotten, this big big step, that that big things big things will happen. And you know, in one sense, that's true when you, when you risk. Something happened. But one of the things I think we were both really surprised by is that the stuff that we saw was no different, no greater than what we see already happening in Cleveland. Like frequency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And, and like, um, you know, just in terms of, it was, a, it was a packed three days, but we had to, we had to um, really fight to make sure that we had space to go out and do outreach. Like, to, we went to the to this part by Lake Victoria. We had like an hour and a half. Um, Evan did an amazing job. He was training on, on how to do personal evangelism and how to lead someone to Christ and how to pray for folks. And he taught on it that we were going to go model it and go do it. And so we went to the lake. We had like an hour and a half to do this. And there was a group of like 18 of us. And within that time, they, they, it's what we expect to have, which we see here in Cleveland. Is, I mean, it was like we saw five people come to Christ, a bunch of people get healed. And we didn't do it. We empowered those people to do it. It's just, it's kind of like, this is what, what we expect. And, and in one sense, it's not that we are like bored with God moving. It means we just, it's, it's really encouraging to think, this yeah. is what happens, right? It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's, an, it's a huge encouragement to you all, what, what Tom just said, because it's like, that is, that's the normal expectation. If you go to like this place like Af- Africa or India or whatever, you're like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to minister to these poor Africans and we're going to see like, you know, these like amazing acts of healing and so many people are going to come to Jesus. And why that may be true in some cases, what we found is that like, it's the same thing as like what's happening here. You know, you are, you're doing it. Like people are coming to faith, put their faith in Jesus through your hearts and your hands. And we're seeing healing happen both here on Sundays and at Market Square Park on Saturdays and throughout your everyday lives. That stuff's like happening. It's becoming like less of this like expectation and more of the new normal of what's happening. Like we just, oh yeah, like that's just how we do things. It's just like really encouraging to what's happening here. You know, and I think the other thing too that he, is that is we really felt like both of us. It wasn't like, and you know, there's some ministers that will go to Africa and they set up a big stage and they do everything and they preach the message mm. and then everyone comes forward and all these people get saved and, the, and it's because one person has this great ministry. Mm. 
And what we felt like we were supposed to do is just give away mm -hmm. what we've been given. You know, just like take your pockets, empty it, give it to other people so that they could they could do it. You know, we could empower people. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a great blessing to do that. So much of the significant ministry that happened is through other people that we were just encouraging and empowering and <laughs> yeah. training them to do this. And, and they were doing, they, you know, they were seeing people get dramatically healed and demons leave and people give their life to Jesus through their hands and through their Swahili voices. Yeah, and that's, um, that may not sound like it. The amazing, the amazing thing would be like, for our ears, would be, the amazing thing would be like for us to come back and be like, God did all this cool stuff through us. It was awesome. I prayed for somebody and they got healed. And we led these, we, Tom and I, led these people to Jesus. Well, isn't that amazing? But that's not what happened. And that's amazing to people who live in Tanzania. Because the norm for church and in Africa, the norm culturally is that there's one guy, all ministry and blessing like flow through that guy. If there are miracles happening, it's coming from that one guy. And so when Tom and I are chatting with these guys and empowering them to do ministry and to usher in healing, their minds are getting blown. They're like, what? What is happening? Capital P, pastor, what is going on? Like, we get to do this stuff too, but that, you know, it's like normal at the venue. We're like, well, everybody gets to play. Of course you would see the things of the kingdom come through your heart and your hands. That's like the normal thing. But they're like freaking out because it's not. That's not normal. And they were very inspired, very encouraged through that. I mean, I don't know if you wanted to share a few stories or whatever of how that happened, but maybe like the living water thing that yeah. you So we went to this area, and so we had like worship, like this, there was a bunch of worship leaders who had, and they, they were, they went by the lake and they were singing and worshiping God, and then we broke up into teams and just went out and talked to people. And I was on a team with two, two people, um, this, this young gal, young adult woman named Rachel, and then a, a young man named Elijah. And so we're together, but as soon as we broke up, there was a man standing there, like he was waiting for us, and he was beat up. Someone, someone beat him up like the night before. His mouth was swollen, his lip was cut, and he was waiting there, just desperate. He was waiting. He saw this crowd gather, and then, so we went and talked to him. The three of us went and talked, and, and uh, he just needed help. He was, he was really messed up. And so so uh, you know, they asked him, hey, can, what, can, can we pray for you? What do you need? What do you need? So I was like leading out. I was praying. I, I prayed. I said, God, make all the swelling out of his mouth go. And it was, I mean, I was, I was like going for it, praying a bold prayer. Nothing happened. Like, like nothing happened. And he's still, you know, still swollen and stuff. And, and, and then um, the, sometimes the Lord will, will sh like give you um, impressions for people about what's happening and what they need help for. Um, like, it's not intuition. It's really, it's God's leading. And so I felt like he had an infection in his lungs. And I asked him, I said, Breathing in and breathing out, and then he said, it's better. Oh, 
In the village, there's like this um, like place that's kind of like separate, and I think it's it would be like where people. I mean, there's like this drunk guy he was hanging out over there, and these two guys, they're obviously drug addicts. They had like their they had their drugs there, and I know this because they they gave they gave them up and th- threw them into the lake after we were done meeting with them, and um, um, so we go to this place in the village, and there's two young guys, and they're like culture guys. You can tell they kind of, they're probably in their mid-20s, and they've got some like influence there in the, in the village. And so we sit down in this canoe like across from, that's beached, you know, and like we're talking with one another, and we're talking about like culture, and we're talking, he's got like a 50 cent shirt on, so we're talking about like hip-hop, and you like hip-hop, I like hip-hop, it's good, you know, finding like common ground and stuff. And then, um, you know, I started to share Jesus with him, and he's like, yeah, and he's sharing back with me, and then the translator kid who's with me is like, he's, he's waiting. He's, he wants to receive, he's waiting for you to share Jesus with him, and I'm like, um, he's waiting for you to share Jesus with him, <laughs> and so I'm like, you, like, just do it, you know, like, ask him if he wants to receive Jesus, and and so he did, and, and Alex and his friend, they're like, yeah. And they come, they come to Jesus right there in the canoe. And they take their drugs out of their pocket. And they're like, we don't want to do this. And I'm like, yeah, it's like a substitute for God's love. It's, you know, it's like, it's just like putting a Band-Aid on. Like, you need the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit wants to be like your addiction. The Holy Spirit wants to consume you and your thoughts and how you see 
people around you and the translator guys doing that and everything. And so I just like back out of it for a second. I'm sitting there and there's like a crowd of like six or seven who are gathered around and I'm like, hey, does anybody like have pain? And he's like, does anybody have pain? And this guy says, yeah, like my foot. And so Alex, the guy who just accepts Jesus, I say, hey, you pray for this guy's foot. And so the guy takes his hand and Alex takes his hand and I'm like, hey, like say, you know, just like pray, command the pain to go and all of this. And so this guy who just accepted Jesus two minutes ago, he's been through, you know, 500 training and equipping classes on how to do healing in the five-step prayer model. No, he, it's, it's the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's a person. He's not an it. And he puts his hand on this guy's uh, foot and he commands the thing to go. And the guy's like, moving it around, and it's all better, and Jesus heals him, and Alex looks at me like, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, that's God in you, and now he wants to, like, spread, like, throughout the whole village using you to, like, and it's not, and you know, and it's not for you. The power's not for you. That power that you just saw, it's Jesus in you for other people, not just for you, Alex. And he's like, yeah, 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 and he's, like, loving it. It was just amazing, amazing to see. What else? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. One last story. Um, we've been, Tom and I were talking about um, 2 Corinthians 1.20. And basically 
what Paul is writing is he says, wherever, what, wherever or whatever God has promised in our lives gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, the great amen. So God's yes and our yes together is us saying, come Holy Spirit. Okay? So, um, so Jesus being the amen, amen meaning yes, that's approved by God. And we say yes, and those two yeses colliding is, the, the, the middle point is, come Holy Spirit. And what I saw in Africa, a friend of ours, I wanted to, to give you an example of this, and we'll, we'll check out here. Um, our friend Martin, uh, who Sarah and I went to Tanzania, this is part of our story, for those of you who don't know. We went to Tanzania like 11 years ago with, uh, with Rich Nathan, the pastor of the vineyard in Columbus, and a group of others to plant a church in Dar es Salaam. And I took Swahili at Ohio State for my foreign language. Uh, like, I was on this trajectory. Like, we're going to be serving the poorest of the poor in Africa. Like, that's where Sarah and I are going to be. And we passed all the assessments, and we're ready to go. And then God just said, no, that's not what you're doing. And I'm like, you're wrong. We, <laughs> I'm going to Africa. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not going to go there. And so we didn't go. And he and I had some fistfights about that. And then I lost. And, <laughs> and he, uh, and it was, and it's good, you know, through some surrender, it's like that was not our journey. And I, uh, you know, enlightenment, I don't always hear right from God, <laughs> right? We miss it sometimes. We hear in part, see in part. So I never thought that I would go back to Tanzania. I ne- that chapter was closed in my life. I'm done. I'm not going back. And even two months ago, I'd say, no, I'm not going to Tanzania. I did nothing to position myself to be there. Nothing to say, hey, I want to go, I want to go. I did not. I, I didn't pay for my flight. I didn't do anything. And I found myself in Dar, and there I was. I'm like, ah, oh, this is good, right? It's like the Lord doing that. And one of the guys that we met before, his name is Martin, and he pastors the Ukanga Vineyard. Ukanga is like uh, right outside the city of Dar. And we were always on the go, and I was ch- chatting with him um, over the internet. I'm like, we, uh, we have to find a time to meet. I want to meet with you. I hadn't seen him in years. And so finally, we met. On the very last night, we flew in to Dar es Salaam from Mwanza to check out to go to Europe. And we ate chips my eye, which is like French fries and eggs. It's like the best. It's yummy. And um, we drank ginger soda and talked, and it was wonderful. And I got a chance to meet with my old friend, Martin. One of the ways, let me just tell you about Martin. One of the ways that Martin is saying, come Holy Spirit, this is amazing, in his community is doing this. He's sort of like this guy, he's like, I'm asking God to show me things about the natural environment in which I live. Show, God, show me things about your world that I can invite people into. And one of the, so this is just one. One of the ways that the Lord has shown him is in the form of this catfish. And this catfish, partly because the rivers are just so polluted in, um, in Africa and, and for unknown reasons, no one, the University of Dar es Salaam, uh, colleges, professors, experts, biologists, no one in Tanzania 
has been able to figure out how to breed these catfish. Martin found out how to breed these catfish. He found out how, and he says, God shows me how to take care of the babies. And I water the babies, and, and most of the food is brought in from Thailand to feed these catfish. But I say, that food is not na- naturally in the river. What do they eat? The babies need something else. And so God shows me to feed them this, and I do this and do this. And then he gets a pond. He builds a pond and starts farming the catfish. And providing jobs for people to feed the village with. You see where this is going? He's saying, come Holy Spirit, and the Lord's showing him things about a catfish. And then, no, 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 and then his neighbor is Muslim, and his neighbor says, what's going on over there, Martin? And Martin says, oh, let me tell you about this little catfish. You see, because if we were to discover this little thing about catfish in America, what would it be? A secret. Because why? Because we can make money off of it. And so we're not sharing that information with anybody. But Martin says, I found this thing out about this little catfish, and freely I've received and freely I give. So he builds his Muslim neighbor a pond, and he gives his Muslim neighbor some insight on this catfish. And his Muslim neighbor begins to cultivate and farm these catfish. And last week, Martin was walking down the main road in Ukanga by the mosque. And his friend was in front of all of his Muslim friends in front of the mosque. And his friend yells out in front of all of his Muslim friends who know that Martin is a pastor and says, This man is a good man. Follow this man. Amazing. Do you see what's happening there? In this world, through through an insight on a catfish, Martin is bridging gaps in culture, and bringing the kingdom to Muslims. We spend thousands of dollars in the church in America to write equipping books on how to reach your Muslim neighbor and how to draw Muslims to your church and how to witness to Muslims. Martin asked God about a catfish. Amazing. Martin's saying, come Holy Spirit, teach me about the catfish. What would it look like for you to say, come Holy Spirit, in your lives? What would it look like for you in your everyday existence to say, come Holy Spirit? And that's what we want to do.